0: What's up, Rockstars? stars? is Matt Johnson. We are back again with another fantastic episode of the podcast. This one it was a really fun one because we're talking about one of my personal favorite topics, which is systems. And we're talking about it with someone who can go uh, just as deep and has a really fun and interesting perspective and a great sense of humor. This is just a really awesome episode. It's one of my favorite ones to record. Uh, my guest for today is Josh Patrick. You might know Josh as the host of the uh, Sustainable Business Podcast. He's the founder of the Financial Freedom Project. And so he's uh, he's been around for a while, involved in lots of things, done a lot of things that you might have seen or heard of already, uh, knows everyone, uh, has interviewed everyone on his show. You probably run across it at some point, even if, if you don't know uh, the name offhand. And so what, what I talk about with Josh on today's show is uh, going deeper into systems. So we talk about why simple systems are better than complex. Uh, how do we as leaders build systems in our business that people actually follow and use, because that's important, right? None of us hate detailed, overly complex systems or processes, right? Um, And we also talk about like how to get over the hump, like it's going to take some extra time to build those systems in our business. How do we as leaders get over that hump of putting in the extra time that it takes to build the system, which will eventually help us and leverage our time and stuff like that, when actually at first it takes more time. So there's a bunch of stuff that we get into. I love Josh's perspective. And just to give you a sense of where this fits into the world of UX, for me, when I look at successful businesses, especially businesses that market and sell expertise and creativity, right? So the stuff in between our ears. Um, when we, when we build a business that monetizes that, if we want a business that's relatively simple to run and maximizes our impact and our income with a lot less headache, right? There is, um, systems to me are the first thing that set us free on the path to building that. Now there are a lot of other types of business that we can build. If you want a lot of employees, if you like complexity, if you want to sell seventeen different things, like there's a lot of different ways to build a business. That's not my goal. My goal is to maximize. I want exponential freedom and impact with as little, uh, you know, overhead risk and number of employees as humanly possible. And Josh works with a lot of people who want the same thing. And so we want the most leverage. We want to turn our expertise and creativity into the most impact, the most freedom in our lives. Life with the least risk the least downside and the least headache and so the once we get like our own performance together and we have that personal performance system in place that's really the first system that we build it's just the operating system for our life for ourselves as an entrepreneur but once we've got that out of the way now we're delivering service right and we're probably doing a lot of it ourselves, maybe most of it or all of it ourselves. We're in the spotlight. We're the ones that are the stars of the show. How do we get other people to step up and be the stars of the show with us? How do we start to share the spotlight? Um, the key way to start is by building systems that they plug into. Now, once we get the business established and we can bring in star people down the line, those people may be able to help and maybe even take over the function of building systems in our business. But at first, it's really up to us. And that's why we wanna talk about uh, getting over that hump of the extra time it takes to build the systems because in the beginning, it's us, right? We start with our personal performance system first, then we start with the system of how we're delivering our expertise and creativity in the business. We have to be involved in that process, right? Nothing good happens if we try to skip that step and go directly to getting people involved in our business if we don't have systems first. And so this is the critical next step after our own personal performance in the growth of our business. So that's why I'm excited to bring the episode to you. You're going to get a ton out of this. It's a super fun conversation. So with that being said, let's jump in with Josh Patrick. So Josh, officially welcome to the UX podcast.
1: Well, great. Thanks a lot, Matt. I appreciate it. So we're talking
0: about systems today, and I'm excited for the conversation ever since we connected, uh, because you are a systems builder, successful business owner and and incorporate systems in and and you got a lot of very unique and unconventional, probably counterintuitive things to say about systems. And we're talking about why they're mostly more complicated than they need to be. And they actually have to be usable. So first of all, just where did, um, where did the approach and kind of the hard one knowledge of systems come in
1: for you? Well, it came from my first business. I used to own a food service and vending company, and we had 90 employees running around. And my first thing that I did was make systems that were really complicated. Now, I I talk about this a lot in relation to our uh, strategic planning process we did. My first strategic plan was 90 pages long. Took me weeks (laughs) and weeks and weeks to write. Um, When I got it finished, I put it on the shelf Nobody in my company, including me, read the darn thing. Yeah. So over the course of the next few years, we kept cutting it down, cutting it down, cutting it down, cutting it down, until I got to a four-page strategic plan. And the four-page, uh, four-page strategic plan was bullet points. Everybody used it. Everybody read it. We used it at every single management meeting we had, and we actually got actionable, positive results as a result of that. Okay. So. That's the first piece of doing that, and what I noticed along the way was if I made a system complicated with lots and lots of steps in it, it would never be followed. Mm. And if you want your people to follow a system in your company, you can't be like the E-myth because people just don't do that. Now, you do have some really detailed people who love to have step one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight to one hundred and twenty five. But yeah. most people want to know what are the two or three or four things I need to do for success in a particular activity. Now, mm-hmm. if, you, if you look at like the checklist that airlines use, they don't have checklists with 30 items on them. Really? Yes, and there's a reason for that. Now, they have, might have multiple checklists they go through, yeah. but each checklist itself is between seven and 10 items. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, if you read a book called The Checklist Manifesto by Atul Manifesto by Gawande, he really goes into incredible detail about why complicated checklists don't work. And in my experience, 100% matches what he wrote in his book. Hmm. So always think simple is simple, less is more, to quote Gino Wickman. Gotcha.
0: Yeah, love, love all of uh, love all of their stuff. I've had Mike Peyton on my other uh, real estate show a couple of years ago, and he was a wonderful guest. I love their approach, and we incorporate that a lot. Uh, various elements of the of the EOS and traction into our uh, production business. We so had,
1: had Mike Payton on ours also. Did you really? Yeah. We actually did three episodes in a row because there was so much stuff to cover.
0: Oh, yeah. I think we had him for an hour and I could have easily talked to him for about 17 or something like that. Yeah. yeah so I'm, really I'm wildly guy. jealous now that you've had three episodes with him. Yeah. Um, so uh, so the, I think the the struggle for people, once they realize that, okay, so once you realize that, okay, I can't have, I can't have a checklist with 100 different items on it. Okay, so let's say I accept that as being true. Then if I'm going to cut the checklist down, how do I account for people making judgment calls in the moment that are different from the way I would if I had that same checklist in my hands? Because I'm pretty confident in myself in my business, knowing what I know, that you could put a checklist of seven things in my hands and the, the end product of me doing the work is going to be up to my standards. If I handed that same checklist to somebody else, that's a little bit more dumbed down and simple. They might actually use it, but are they going to make the same decisions that I would make along the way? So how do you
1: account for that? Well, you may put multiple checklists together. Mm. You know, for example, if you look at our video checklist, you're going to see there's about um, 12 topics in there. And each topic, each step along the way might have two or three things you have to do. So it's really chunking it down. Okay, that makes sense. Small pieces. You know, if if you sit there and say, okay, Um, most people don't work. If you give somebody a list of 15 things to do, what's going to happen?
0: Well, it's probably, they can potentially get overwhelmed. That, that seems like a lot, right? And they They might start to work their way through it. But if you really, if you, if they're expected to do it consistently, they might work all through those 15 things the first few times. Once they feel like they've got it, they feel like they've got it. And the checklist goes in the drawer and doesn't get looked again.
1: Right, and as a result, they're going to miss step 13, 14, and 15, or step 3, 8, and 10, which could be very, very important. Yes. But because they're trying to remember it, we all have crappy memories. Yep. Um, So you want to keep your checklist simple and doable. And one of my first mentors in business had this great term. He used to call it operationally doable. Mm. And if you make things too complicated or too hard or too long, you no longer are operationally doable. Yeah. So, if, you're, if your um, process really has 25 critical steps in it, my guess is what you really have is five pieces that should each be separate and have its own checklist.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Because you might even not have the same person do all 25 pieces. You might have yeah. that piece done by one person and that piece done by another person. The other thing is, what, around checklists, have the person doing the job develop the checklist. Hmm. Okay. Because, you know, one of my favorite sayings is, you're the expert at your job, act like it and take ownership. Hmm. So if you're actually saying the person doing the job is the expert at the job, and I can promise you, any job that anybody else in our organization is doing that I have no interest in or no part of, they know way more about it than I do. I mean, as a matter of fact, this morning, my assistant came to me with She's a new assistant, came with a bunch of paperwork and said, is this right? And I said, I wouldn't have a clue. I don't have the ability to fill out applications and paperwork correctly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to need to build your own checklist and your own work, workflows for this stuff. I can't help you there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and it's so, it's so I, I laugh because we've all, if you run a business, you've experienced this. But it's not that you couldn't do it if you weren't the business owner. In fact, you're probably the business owner because you were at one time, really, you may have been really good at doing that stuff.
1: I have never but, been really good at that stuff. I cannot yeah. do things in, in <laughs> I, I refuse to do something in numeric order. But <laughs> one of the things I'm really good at is taking complicated systems and making them simple. Yeah. Because most of the time, a complicated system has at least half or two thirds of the stuff in it that nobody really needs to do. Right. Yeah, it's just noise. Yeah, it all—it's yeah. just, just—it's—it's it's frustrating and annoying.
0: Yeah, well, I think the eighty. Yeah, it, it is, the older I get, the more I realize the eighty twenty rule applies to everything.
1: Right. It does absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, I I love Perry Marshall, and Perry Marshall is the eighty twenty guy. Yeah. And um, you literally can eighty twenty anything in your life. Yeah. of the stuff you're doing in your life is complete garbage. It doesn't add any value to you. You might as well let it go. Yeah. And focus on that 20% that actually does move the needle.
0: So let me ask you this. Uh, So you can break checklists up. You can chunk them out. Uh, So that's an easy, practical solution. Um, Let me throw this out you and see if you would tend to agree with this. I think the, the rest of the space in that equation of how do you get people to do the things you want them to do without having a hundred point checklist detailed out is I think it, at the end of the day, it still has to come back to just, and again, a very simple short list of the core values of your business.
1: Well, that's, that. you know, that's, that, that's a really, I mean, you just hit on some gold right there. Hmm. And not only is it core values, I mean, first you should take your personal values and this is for privately held business owners, by the way. Okay. you take your personal values, figure out what they are, translate them to your company as core values, then you must and you must write a clarifying statement about what those values mean. Hmm. If I say personal responsibility and I have not written a a clarifying statement around that, you're going to have no idea what I mean by personal responsibility. From that, once you get those core values, you should have no more than five. You have more than five, you don't have values. You Hmm. just got a list of stuff. (laughs) <laughs> now I have to look at my list. I think I might
0: have a couple more than five.
1: Well, Boston Beer has seventeen, which I think is crazy. But
0: I've never heard of. I mean, maybe that's why I haven't heard of Boston Beer. and think they've got too that's many. Sam
1: Adams, by the way. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Um, and but their but their last value is a really important one. Without margin, the first sixteen mean nothing. <laughs>
0: That's a pretty good one. Yeah. <laughs> like let's, let's actually make a profit.
1: Yeah. So, so that kind of focuses where you were. But from that, you take that and then you start putting together what I call um, pillars. Okay. You know, for example, when I had my food service company, one of my pillars was if you want to eat it yourself, don't serve it. You're the expert at your job. So mm-hmm. act like it. Um, you know, things like that, which are operational things that help people think about what's the right thing they should be doing in your company. Yeah. You know, Nordstrom was, you know, back when they actually had great customer service. And unfortunately, um, I've not experienced that the last time I've been in there, last few times I've been there. Mm -hmm. But when I used to go and I actually bought suits and stuff, uh, which again, was like a hundred years ago. (laughs) (laughs) suits were expensive back then too. Um. (laughs) when there's would just do the right thing. Yeah. And I got to tell you, I had unbelievable experiences at Nordstrom over and over and over again. Hmm. And, you know, I used to go to a different store in Chicago and same thing. They just were, the, their values were very simple about what was important for the people to do And the simpler and the easier you make it, the more room you give people to do the right thing. Yeah. I mean, if you've been on an airline and um, you've gotten bumped and they start reading the litany of lists of what they can do and what they can't do, it almost always, you walk away with a bad customer experience. Yeah. If they they just said, treat your customers like you would want to be treated, guess what's going to happen? You'd have great customer service. Yeah. As long as they treat their people well, which they don't do. No, yeah, there's no, we can
0: we can go way down the rabbit hole on everything that's wrong with the, the airline industry. But yes, if they if they hired different slash better people and empowered them just to be nicer, well, actually, I, I think
1: the they people absolutely. they hire are. I think the people they hire are fine. I don't think it's the think people so? are hiring. No,
0: yeah, I I, I don't really, know. I I have a very degree. different viewpoint. I can't imagine ruining other people's day all day long for a living and being able to
1: last very long in that job. Well, they actually don't, but that's, you know, we could go yeah. down that rabbit hole. <laughs> but the truth is they don't treat their people well, so yeah. the people aren't going to treat their customers well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Everything you know. flows from the
1: top. Yeah. One of my beliefs is your employees are only going to treat your customers as well as you treat them.
0: And that's really good. That's really good.
1: Yeah. So when people ask me what's the more important, my employees or my customers, guess what my answer is? Yeah. Employees employees because mm-hmm. employees as are where leader. it all happens. Yes. I'm not talking to all my customers. I'm talking to a few of my customers, but my employees are talking to all my customers. Yeah. And if I'm making their life miserable and I'm not treating them well, how can I possibly expect that I'm going to treat my customers well? By the way, that's a system. It's about the mm-hmm. simplest system you can have as a one piece system. Treat your, cust- your employees well. Hmm. I like it.
0: Okay. So number one, simplify. Yep. Number two, reinforce core values. Yep. Uh. Number three, I would say, embrace. Um, how do I put this? Embrace the upfront investment. Right? I think that the last struggle people have with building systems, even once they understand that they have to be simple, because it takes time to, to distill things down, right? It's, it's actually easier to make a 100-point checklist than it is a 5-point. So there's some effort there. Um, how do people get over or, or come to grips with the upfront investment that it takes to build a system rather than just trying to emotionally lead people to do better?
1: That's actually, that's actually a really interesting question. My answer to that is lower the overhead for making systems which means the owner should not be making the systems the person doing the job should make the system mm-hmm. and if you just pick out your phone and you record it on your phone what you do you have just documented your system mm. and then use some sort of a database whatever you want you you know use uh you know there's a bunch of them out there and just put those videos in now you have your system you've been, you've just systematized your business mm. And if you want to have a checklist, have them listen to the thing and write a checklist off it.
0: Yeah. So lower, lower the barrier, lower the threshold. Yeah. Um, make, it, make it easier on yourself and essentially build something like be okay with building something adequate out of the gate rather than something perfect.
1: Correct. Okay. Yeah. I mean, perfect is the enemy of, of good. Yeah. <laughs> <We're> <laughs> perfect <done. laughs> perfect is, the, is the enemy of great, actually, is what I would say. Perfect is, is the enemy that, enemy. that last 5% you need to get to. Mm-hmm. It's a waste of time. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it goes back to the 80-20 rule.
1: Right. Right. I mean, only 20% of your instructions are useful. 80% you could get rid of.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's probably true for most of the words that I say, sadly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I could promise. If you you had (laughs) gone through my book writing process with me, you would have seen that it was true with 100% of what I wrote. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I doubt that.
0: That, that. I'm sure that's a slight exaggeration, but it's, uh, I, I get the self-deprecation. It's always fun. Um, yeah. By the way, what was the what was the process like uh, just of, because a book definitely falls into that, right? Perfect being the enemy of great. What was yes. your experience like knowing what you know about systems, knowing what you know about how you should simplify it and all the stuff that you know is the right way to do it. Uh, did any of that trickle down in the actual book writing process?
1: Oh yeah, it all, actually it all did. Good. Um, I rarely write real outlines. So I do I did mind maps for my outlines. Okay. And yep. mind mapping is a much, much faster and much easier way to fix oh, I should have put that back in the first part of it. But you yep. just have a branch you add it to. So you're you're really cutting down your time when it comes to writing by mind mapping. Yeah. And uh for me it was a completely different experience because I had written over a thousand blog posts in my life.
0: Actually yep. way over
1: that. And Instead of writing a how-to book, I decided to write a parable, which was a fictional work about this very dysfunctional business family. So I had to learn a completely new form of writing. Yeah. Yes, it is. is. One of the smart things I did, and every once in a while I do one of those, I hired myself a really good book coach who understood the hero's journey in writing. That's awesome. And she guided me through it. And as a result, I saved hundreds of hours in writing. Oh, I'll bet. Yeah.
0: And not just this, the, the, the save time. Like some of that stuff, I, you would, uh, probably would have never come across anyway. I would, in have, book I would book. have
1: never come across as my first draft of the book before I hired her was complete crap. We basically scrapped <laughs> and started over again. <laughs> okay. So, by the way, almost every writer you're ever going to talk to is going to tell you the first draft is completely crap. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Oh, that's funny. I love it. That's, that's good to know. Yeah. I hope, yeah. I hope I look back on mine and say the same thing.
1: Well, for me, I, it was an experience. I loved doing what I didn't like. I hated marketing the book. I really hate it. Did I, was, you really? I wasn't very successful at number one and number two, it's a lot more work and a lot more boring work than writing the book. Mm, interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Like the you know, writing the book is intellectually interesting. Uh, getting it right is, is like hits that part of the brain where you get some satisfaction, stuff like that. Um, if you looking back on marketing the book now, what would you have done differently?
1: Well, I would have uh, hired somebody to help me that actually knew what they were doing. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, it, the truth is, one of the best things you can do to make your life work better is to hire people who know what they're doing when you go into a process, you have no idea what it is. Mm-hmm. But I did a lot of things right but I did a lot of the things wrong. Um, And the truth is none of us are writing a book to become a bestseller and author. Maybe it would happen if we get lucky. We're really writing the book to help promote our business. And the biggest mistake I made was I didn't put a big honking call to action with a landing page in the first page of the book.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's good advice. Yeah. And uh, that's an easy thing to overlook, but you're exactly right. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, and I, I think I've learned, uh, just going back to systems to, to wrap things up, uh, when it comes to, pro- I, I, who was it? Rich Sheffrin said this, everything in your business is either a system or a project. So I, I said, okay, well, I'm really good at systems. I'm not necessarily as good as projects, at, as good at projects. And the way that I look at it is I never expect a project to go smoothly or to come out perfectly. Now, a system, on the other hand, if it's something people have done, if we've done it in the business multiple times, I expect a level of pretty close to perfect, especially for client work. But if it's a project, you know, I just assume there's going to be miscommunication. There's like, we're still developing the systems. We're still documenting everything. Like there's, I just, I build in a much wider margin of error into a project than I do into a system. I don't know about you.
1: Oh, I would actually submit that a project is a system. Okay, explain well, you can systematize your project work. Okay. It doesn't, mean, it doesn't mean that you're not going to have mistakes and you're not going to have pivots and you're not going to have to understand it doesn't work. But if part of your system is fail fast, fail cheap, it means you're doing a bunch of small experiments along the way to get proof of concept. That's a system. That is true. It's you know, basically true. everything in your life is a system. We just don't recognize it as such.
0: Yes. Uh, And and I think you might have recommended the book. Was it The Systems Mindset, Sam Carpenter? No. No. Okay. So he, I don't, somebody else must have recommended that, but it's along in the same veins. And he said something to the effect of, look, everything in your life is a system that actually produces exactly the result it's intended to produce, which is exactly counter to how most people perceive their life, which is lots and lots of effort that doesn't turn out the right result they think they should get. And his, his contention is if you look at life as a series of interlocking systems that are producing exactly the results that are meant to produce, well, then it's a matter of just go tinker with the system and it's going to right. give you a different result, which is right. a way more empowering way to look at the world.
1: Right. And you should always be tinkering with your systems. Yeah. I mean, I, I tell this story a lot about when I was in the vending business, we took our training for our route drivers from eight weeks down to two weeks and our retention from 40 or 50% up to 85%. Hmm. And that was just tinkering with the system of how we trained. Yeah. So we had the system, and it worked sort of. People were getting trained. We would hire people to go out in the field, but a forty or fifty percent success rate is pretty crummy. Hmm. So <laughs> how do you fix that? You keep tinkering with the system till you get it right. Yeah. And I probably could have continued to improve on that, but we sold the business. So.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Well. Yeah. And you moved on. and You move on to another system. Right, is that five That last five percent isn't worth the outlay of effort.
1: Not even a little bit. Love it.
0: All right. So, where's the best place for people to go and connect?
1: Well, I have two websites. One is www.stage2planning.com. That's with the number two. That's our wealth management site, and www.sustainabletheSustainableBusiness.co. That's www.thesustainablebusiness.co is our business consulting site. Perfect. And you get lots of, my podcast lives at uh, Sustainable Business, and I've got over a thousand blog posts at Stage 2 Planning. Tons of stuff for people to download, tons of stuff for people to read or watch videos or listen to podcasts. Awesome.
0: Well, I know one of the first things I'm going to take out of this is uh, I need to cut at least one core value out of my list and then start using them a little bit more with my staff. So this has been a super fun conversation, which I knew it would be, um, but even, even better than I expected. So I really appreciate your time.
1: Oh, my pleasure. Thanks so much, Matt. I appreciate it.
0: Now, I believe that clarity releases energy. So I hope that this episode creates clarity for you by laying out a path forward in your business. Now, if you're interested in starting a podcast like this to help you break into a new industry or to establish yourself as an authority in a niche market, let's talk. We have a complete done for you podcasting service. Uh, That is my agency that I'm building and growing and I'd love to talk to you about what we can potentially do for you You can learn more at pursuingresults.com to get a sense of what our service is all about. And if you're ready, if you're really seriously thinking about starting a podcast, I'm happy to brainstorm your ideas and talk about the positioning of your podcast within the market, something that you can take away whether we end up working together or not. So you can grab a time on my calendar for a podcast brainstorm call at bookjohnson.com. That is bookjohnson.com. I just want to thank you again for listening to the show, for leaving us a rating and a review on iTunes, and more importantly, for investing your time, your energy, your attention into the show. It really means the world to me that you would do that. So again, this is the UX podcast where we learn how to turn a rockstar business into a UX machine, and we'll see you on the next episode.